Hey friends, welcome back to My Sister Made Me View It. We are so excited for you to be here today, especially for two reasons. One, we start season two of Roswell today. Ah, I'm so excited. This is going to be so much fun. And two, we have a very cool announcement for you about our flag means death. Uh, Megan and I are covering this as part of our miscellaneous feed. We are going to start posting, but uh, you'll have to wait until the end of the episode to find out when we start posting this. So uh, listen to the episode and then come listen to all the announcements and you will find out when that is. Anyways, can't wait. Here we go. Welcome back to season two of My Sister Made Me View It, the Roswell 1999 edition. <gasps> we made it. We're back. We're here. It's season two. I got to use so much of my real life science and body hiding knowledge in this episode. It was amazing. <laughs> but she's not a serial killer. She wants all of you to know I'm she's not. not a serial killer. I'm, a, I'm not. I just know things. That's what a serial killer would say. <laughs> Hey, everybody, check out the book, I Am Not a Serial Killer by Dan Wells. Yes. Oh, good one. Very good one. Have you read it? They made it into a movie with Christopher Lloyd. Who is? Emily, did you know that Christopher Lloyd is our 19th cousin? (gasps) He doesn't know, but we are distant, (laughs) distantly related to Christopher Lloyd. Very cool. Very cool. Oh, well, that's exciting. I don't know. Now that I have a famous... A famous relative. I don't really feel like I I need to go on and do this. I'm your famous relative. (laughs) (laughs) Except Megan's actually the worst. You guys want to know why? What? What did I do? Oh, that's right. I forgot to invite you to a work function. (laughs) She could have taken me to a work party and she did not. And guess what that work party is? It's not a party. It's a movie screening. It's a movie premiere. Megan's going to go see Doctor Strange a week early. And I have the, to wait like a chump. The actual. With an already bought ticket. The actual fancy premiere is tomorrow. I'm going to, for a work sponsored screening on Wednesday. You say work sponsored training? Screening. Oh, sorry. It was like training for what? Yeah, to teach us how to uh, bridge dimensions. Man, they are making storyboard artists do so much work these days. So instead of me getting to fly out to California and going to see Doctor Strange a week early. I have been begging you to fly out to California to come to the Ren Fair on a weekend. And you're like, I can't work. I can't. I can't do it. My dog, my work, my life. So I rightfully assumed she couldn't just fly out on a Wednesday. Right? That seems like a reasonable... She didn't even ask. I didn't... <laughs> I really want to go with the person I did ask. So, you relax. I'm, I don't think I could have anyway, but... Yeah, just okay. just you a hard time. Next, next time I work for Marvel, if our show gets another season and I come back on for another season... And there's a movie, and I somehow end up getting picked as in the lottery of people who get to go to a movie screening. I'll ask you. Thank you. 
So um, my family's discussed this in the past, but if I ever get to the point in my life where I am invited to award shows and nominated for things, we're going to do a lottery system to decide who gets to be my plus one. And so the family's going to put their names into a hat and I'll be like, okay, the Annie Awards, Emily gets to come. The Emmy Awards, you know, Russell, 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 mom gets to come. And so that's how we'll do it. But uh, maybe because we missed out on this, I'll put your name in the raffle twice for the 2027 award season. <laughs> Forever. I will always get my name in twice. That's you how this is going to go You do not down. always get your name in twice. <laughs> Parents always get their name in twice, probably. <laughs> but maybe mom That's won't. Fair. Maybe mom won't want won't want to go to the Emmys because it's hosted on Sundays, and so we'll find a Saturday thing that mom can go to, and then you can come with me to the Emmys. I'm projecting. <laughs> There's absolutely no guarantee I will be nominated for an Emmy for anything. <laughs> but for contingency purposes, we have yes. discussed this. Yeah, and since I'm primarily in animation it's most likely that i'd be nominated for a special achievement emmy which i don't think is in the same ceremony they might just mail it to me <laughs> but i'll let you open my emmy package that's not true <laughs> i'm gonna <laughs> all right leaving dreamland and coming back to roswell <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to Season 2, Episode 1 of Roswell. This one is called Skin and Bones? Skins and Bone? Skin and Bones. Because people find skin and bones in this episode. Oh! Guys, this is going to be good. But uh, for those of you who are brand new to this podcast, uh, Megan and I are sisters, and we have both picked something that we love but the other sister has been refusing to read or watch forever 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 and my pick was the roswell 1999 version <sighs> and i love it so much and i'm so glad megan's here watching it with me but yep. my name is emily i should be writing my book my name is megan and i've got to make sure i don't burn the food i've got on the stove <laughs> but instead, but instead <laughs> we're doing a podcast we're making a podcast so I just want to welcome everybody back. It has been a long haul to get Megan here to this point, to the season that I have seen. <laughs> Emily has promised me season two is good. And so far, I really did enjoy this season two premiere episode. I laughed at the Yay. jokes and the inappropriate moments, not just one or the other. <laughs> uh, and I really got to enjoy myself by yelling science things at the screen and then having dialogue confirm them a, se a sentence later. Yep, it was pretty great. I think my most excitable moment was when I was trying to get out the line that Liz is going to be a congressional <laughs> aide! And I only got as far as Liz is going to be and then it was confirmed on screen and I'm like, No! No, I was going to say it first! No! <laughs> Megan is going to have a lot of cool facts to share in this episode, mm -hmm. so I hope you guys are ready. So I want you to buckle up. Buckle up for safety. Buckle up. But we open on a lone person in the desert region, and he's got a metal detector. Uh, and the metal is detecting something, which this, I was I was worried because, Meg, you got really mad I didn't get this. mad, but I was confused. I was like... 
how does a metal detector detect bones? And so I'm thinking, did he have a prosthetic hip? Was there a chip implanted in his leg? And well, you find out over the course of the episode that use of alien powers, especially in high doses, leaves behind a mysterious element that we'll discuss later on in the podcast. But it is a sci-fi reason why these bones why this metal detector would have picked up these bones. Mm -hmm. I thought this was a fabulous opening because the guy's in the desert digging and there's a voiceover that says, I feel like you've buried something. And so I'm just like, (laughs) okay. And then we open up into Max sitting in a psychologist's office and the psychologist is trying to get Max to open up saying like your parents are concerned, all of these things. And, And he has this great line about millions of other teenagers go through the exact same thing. What you're going through is, you know, something that everyone experiences. And we as the audience are going, ha ha ha, no, it's not. And so with this opening, the psychologist, like I said, is trying to get Max to open up and explain what's been going on. Because as we all know, Max was kidnapped and tortured. Uh, Just, you know, we find out it's been three months, but... I really liked this about this show that it, it, a lot, okay, a lot of shows just kind of throw stuff out for drama and then never address it ever again, even though characters might end up with PTSD or they find siblings and then the siblings mysteriously disappear and the siblings are never talked about again, blah, 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 blah. So I liked this as a storytelling aspect that yes, Max was affected by all of these things and his parents are concerned enough that they're trying to help him. Mm-hmm. And so Max looks at the psychologist and is just like, yeah, I guess it all started when I found out I was an alien. And he lays out the entire history of what has happened, how he's a hybrid, how he saved Liz, you know, Nisato and all of these things and his destiny and just like everything that really has been a burden to him. But we, you know, then find out that it's a haha psych. That was just what he was thinking in his head. Mm-hmm. But as an opening for a new season without doing a montage or a bottle recap, this was a really good one. A really yeah. good thing for, for the character to explain this is what's going on in a very unique and creative way. Um, that I, I also think this is a good way to do it. So uh, after the opening credits, which there are some new shots in the opening credits that I'm sure we will see throughout the season... Uh, including, well, this one was from last season, but they have the shot of Liz and Max jumping off the bridge. And I was like, Haha, I know that one. But uh, my favorite thing is the flashback. Did you mention that he said the six of us? No. Okay. So at the beginning, he's like, and it's been dangerous for all six of us. And they do that shot of one of their miniature model UN conversations by the reservoir. <laughs> and I'm like, they are still pretending that Alex has been their friend the whole time. <laughs> Um, one other thing I liked, oh, he also explains one of the things is, and this becomes a huge plot point in this episode, that they killed a man, which is in reference to Pierce. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. showed them burning the body. And now listen. In the middle of the desert. In the middle of the desert. If you want to get rid of a body in the desert, don't burn it. Okay? Take it out to the middle of nowhere. Leave it out in the open. And let the coyotes, the vultures, the beings of the desert, let them tear it apart because the animal activity can mask the true cause of death and also it will scatter the bones everywhere 
so you don't have someone just coming across a clearly human arranged burial. All right. Now listen, <laughs> y'all, when you're trying to hide a body of someone in your vicinity who has died and you don't <laughs> want people to know, you don't want to just hide the body itself. You also want to obscure evidence in case anyone like a hapless geologist finds it. So. And this is from personal No, this theory. is from watching Bones. <laughs> <laughs> this is from watching Bones and Criminal Minds and Death in Paradise and all of the forensic type shows that I like to watch. Okay. <laughs> okay. You guys. I said something. We're we're working on creating an Our Flag Means Death podcast for our miscellaneous feed. And I had to go on this long bit about the sound that people make when you stab them. I haven't stabbed a person. This is just deductive reasoning, okay? Okay. I haven't killed anyone with my own hands or skills. Well, that's good. Can't believe I have to reiterate this so much. I just, people would just think things through <laughs> before they murdered. Friendly <laughs> on a family-friendly podcast. family-friendly <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so, yeah. Tip, tip from your local weirdo. Don't just hide the body. Obscure the evidence. Um, one thing I also love, because Max is talking about how killing a man was really hard for everyone involved. When he kind of snaps out of this explanation that he's giving he's staring right into the camera so he's literally talking to the audience i just really like that i thought that was pretty cool Mm -hmm. anyway the kids summer vacation we're back with season two costume updates i can't tell if maria's hair is exceptionally shiny or if the actress is wearing a wig if it if she is it's a very good wig there's just something about the shine that makes it seem fake to me uh, it's possible it's just the the way that they've done the highlights, which were the style at the time. But as is the case with television shows, the about the same length of time between episodes is about the same length of time that's happened in the show. So the kids were on a summer vacation in which nothing much happened. And we find out that during the summer vacation, um, Nisado has been impersonating Pierce in Washington, D.C., and Liz has been with an aunt in Florida. Very twilight of her. Because her grandma's dead. Oh, because grandma got run over by a reindeer, mm-hmm. but brought back to this mortal plane for a brief moment by alien magic. Does grandma's body have cadmium in it? We should check. <laughs> so the kids are all at the Crashdown Cafe sitting around the TV watching, I'm assuming CNN or C-SPAN or something, but it's a congressional yeah. subcommittee inquiry to find out it's basically Pierce in the hot seat. Nisado pretending to be Pierce in the hot seat, trying to explain why he spent $17 million and why, you know, all the stuff he's done as Agent Pierce in the last three months basically have bankrupted this very special unit. And so everyone... And I was very confused because there's a blow-up alien balloon in the room on the podium. I don't know if that was for a gag in a scene that maybe got cut, but okay. but there's a there's a blown up green little green man alien balloon thing in the subcommittee hearing. 
that is never addressed. It's just on the podium. Okay. And uh, we have the very suspicious congresswoman who, as soon as she started talking, I'm like, this is the new villain for the season. <laughs> Tis a season. Tis a season for ominous ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations to Barlow and Bear for winning a Grammy for their unofficial Bridgerton musical, by the way. Yay! So that's they did that's it. Fun. So yes, this woman stands up and is kind of defending this FBI agent Pierce about, well... Listen, here's all this research about this mysterious element that no one has been able to figure out. And and we really need to keep this special division open. And Nisado slash Pierce is just like, oh, actually, that was a hoax that we made up. So uh, you're dumb. And therefore, this actually should really be shut down. Yeah. Now, we will find out much later in this episode... But this woman knows Pierce carnally, the real one, and also the fake one, too, which is disgusting. Um, <laughs> but I don't know why he didn't prep for this, because we find out he, uh, fake Pierce, has been maintaining real Pierce's relationship with this woman over the summer. And I don't know why he didn't anticipate that she would have additional knowledge brought up in this hearing he's just made a big problem for everyone yeah because they are hoping that they are going to disband the special unit that's kind of what these kids all their hopes and dreams are like pinned on because if the special unit goes down our life can go back to normal and maybe liz will date max again Mm -hmm. because that is one thing that max kind of is focused on the entire episode and They do such a good job of it because a lot of the conversations he has, a lot of things that motivate him, it is all, I want things to go back to the way they were so I can be with Liz again. And Maria kind of has a sit down, come to Jesus moment with him, just saying like, dude, you got to let her come to you. Let her come to you. Let her come to you. And, and Max is like, how's that working out with Michael? (laughs) You know? I think it's very fun where Liz brings up that, hey, Max, you and I have become very close over the summer, which I'm excited for because, like, Liz and Max, sorry, have blah, blah, Maria and Max have gotten very close over the summer. And I'm glad because we had cliques within the alien group and it was basically just the romantic couples. Like, sometimes mm-hmm. you would have an episode where Maria and Isabel had an adventure or Liz and Michael spent more time together, but it feels like we're, we're meant to gather that over this summer the kids have, have strengthened all of their relationships. And I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do point out later that she is... A lying to Max because Liz is back from Florida and has been for several days and has asked Maria not to tell Max about it because mm-hmm. hoes before bros. But also speaking of relationships, instead of being strengthened, Isabel is withdrawing from her relationship with Alex just with everything that's going on. I don't have time to hang out with boys. And immediately, immediately, Mr. Handsome Geologist shows up Asking to find the sheriff, which sets off all the danger vibes. Uh, it set off about 57 different alarm bells in my head as to how his introduction is done. Emily Ann, if Isabel, a high school sophomore, if she has a relationship with this 35-year-old geologist, 
I will be just as upset as the pregnancy story. <laughs> but you immediately can tell that Isabel's kind of like, this guy is very good looking. <laughs> and they're like, oh, why do you want to see the sheriff? And Megan was properly horrified in this scene because he lifts up his like satchel bag thing and pulls out the bones, the arm or leg bones that he found in the desert. And Meg is just like, he's showing that to a bunch of kids. But what we don't know is it has cut to a new location and he's pulling it out to show the sheriff, which he's just, they're touching it with no gloves. Ah, human um, body parts that are separated and from things that are not alive need to be handled with gloves. So uh, an interesting point about that. Um, archaeologists often don't use bo- uh, don't use gloves when they're handling specimens on a dig. It's only uh, generally forensics people who are worried about contaminating evidence uh, who wear gloves. Because obviously, if you're trying to figure out how a historical body died, you don't have to worry about your modern day fingerprints. Like we can clearly, you know, close those out. So, uh, Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe he should have wrapped it in something instead of just having it loose in his bag because we know this is a bone that was burned only like 90 days ago. Three months. Yeah. 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 So it's still got like crispy bits on it. And it's, you guys, so, so it's the lower portion of the leg. And you can tell this because it's two bones instead of one because your femur is the the big solid bone on the top half of your legs and the bottom half of your leg is your fibula and your tibia. Um, And that's so you can get a turn between your foot and your knee joint. Did you know that? (laughs) And the sheriff's holding this. Two of the largest bones in the human body and was like, maybe it's a coyote. No, it's not. There's no, no. Look at that. You could club someone over the head with that bone that's not from any wild dog. (laughs) Anyway, this poor sheriff, he is trying his best to be corrupt and cover the body murder find that he collaborated in. And he's just foiled at every turn by the most eager deputy that's ever existed. (laughs) Um, Is this Deputy Hanson? And Deputy Hanson is an eager, eager beaver. And Meg, you said something about like, listen, if I was in a small town, I would be super excited about a homicide too. Yeah. um, I don't know if you guys could tell by everything I'm going to talk about this episode, but if I had the chance to investigate a murder, I would be so excited. I would be so excited. Already, I knew things just from looking at the body that our normal characters had to have specialists tell them. (laughs) Honestly, can't believe that the congresswoman doesn't know what carbon dating is. Did she even go to science school? You learn about that in in junior high. Like, come on. Although, to be fair, they probably had to teach her about carbon dating so they could explain it to the audience. But then she says my least favorite dumb person on a forensic show thing which is after the scientist explains it she says "Uh, say it in english those are all english words you moron (laughs) it is english put it put it together come on (laughs) but megan was i felt 
I'm going to say a little vindicated because there were multiple times in this episode where she's like, that's not how that works. And then the very next line would be someone explaining how weird it is because that's not how it works. Like, yeah, the, the geologist is explaining that I found it using a metal detector, which is weird because they shouldn't be able to detect bone. And so that's our little ding mystery lead in. Yeah. Cause he's like, I found it with a metal detector. And I'm like, metal detectors can't pick up bone. And he's like, it shouldn't have been able to pick up bone. And I was like, <laughs> or later when the coroners examined the full recovered skeleton, he's like, the bones on the left side of the chest have melted and fused together. And I'm like, bones don't melt. And he's like, but bones can't melt. Um, <laughs> Bats aren't bugs. <laughs> Bats aren't bugs. So uh, we have some evil Jedi training going on My gosh, in Michael's apartment. They're both so emo about it. <laughs> they've got droopy hair listen you guys i hate michael's season two hair and you're gonna hear me yell about it for a long time probably this whole season i hate how down it is i want give me back the hair that defies gravity let me put it back up into the sky i don't like his floppy hair and then tess also has dramatic down She's got a bunch of gel in her hair so it hangs really flat and she's got dark eye makeup and and the lights are off in the apartment. They're just using the light from the window and Michael's exploding rocks with his mind. And I'm like, okay, so this is his Zane story. Yeah, because, you know, Max comes in and kind of fills in everybody on what's going on. Yes, dear. Yes, yes, yes. Off topic. Off topic. Tumblr post. And I'm going to look it up so I can credit the person. Did you see the Tumblr post this week about Kylo Ren? No. I've just Googled Tumblr post Kylo Ren. I don't know if this will help me. <laughs> but it should Did be top because it? It, was, it was popular this recently. But it was uh, someone saying what would have fixed this new trilogy is what if Kylo Ren wasn't force sensitive <gasps> oh that's why he hates his dad so much because he sees it as han's fault that he didn't inherit the skywalker side mm-hmm. he joins the dark side and he's hoping by like killing and doing evil and creating harm that he'll be drawing himself closer to the dark side and it's why he's so eager to obey everything snoke forget palpatine says because he's hoping it will bring him closer to the dark side and it's it would be so incredible to contrast the absolute fury he would feel when a stormtrooper finn turns out to be force sensitive because the point of the force is that it can come from everywhere not just from the skywalker palpatine weird incest bloodline forget about it and so uh i was like yeah actually yeah i would have loved that I would have loved that. And that's why he's so terrible at building lightsabers. My favorite, favorite thing that he does is the very first thing we see him do in The Force Awakens with the blaster bolt. That's what I was like. <laughs> but yes, Meg, that would be a very cool. That would be a very cool storyline. See, I'm, Anyway, we can't talk about it because I will get really angry about it. We can't talk about it. Michael is giving Max a lot of flack i guess because he's like you're a leader you should lead us what are we gonna do what are we gonna do we should call nasato and and max is like no we're just gonna lie low and and 
you can see there's some tension building between these these boys and and over everyone's kind of destiny spiel but the thing is michael is in a ton of trouble you guys he is in a ton of trouble because at the dig you know where they're they're excavating the rest of the body eager beaver hansen man finds a like a swiss army knife and sends it out for prince and it's it's revealed (laughs) (laughs) sorry i walked away to stir my soup uh hey here's another tip for when you're trying to hide a body which is probably committed to a crime that you've done and desecration of human remains is a different crime on top of that don't leave new evidence behind (laughs) okay i mean yes michael killed this man but he killed him with magic there's really no way to tie him to the actual murder itself however he has left behind an easily identifiable personal belonging tying him directly to the scene where the body was desecrated and buried honestly you think it'd be their first time breaking the law the sheriff should be better than this (laughs) because the sheriff is like oh hey i'll take it and the deputy's like nope i found it me i get to do it and runs off to get it tested but michael is out there looking watching everything go on and he feels like he's being watched and so he goes running off trips and falls and finds like this hand-shaped papery shape on the ground and he picks it up (laughs) and it just crumbles into dust Again, that would be an example of evidence that should be touched with gloves. <laughs> but uh, you guys, Court, there's a new person who works at the crash town. I don't think we've mentioned her, Courtney. She's blonde. Uh, she's 100% this creepy skin shedder person. That's that's an interesting guess. I'll write that down. Yeah. Uh, I am going to say, though, I really hope this character isn't revealed to be called a skin walker because that's a very specific Native American mythical being like ominous being and this show i'm hoping they've left all their really bad depictions of indigenous americans in the first season i will be displeased if that continues on in season two noted nobody else knows what's going on michael hasn't told anyone about this um max and isabel are walking down the street and isabel's kind of dropping all these hints that she would be more than happy to go talk to the geologist and find out what's happening and see what else he has discovered and why he's out there because they're worried maybe he's out there on some sort of like undercover mission from the FBI and they've tracked Pierce to him, you know, back to Roswell. And there's just a lot of really, really bad things that could happen if if Pierce's death came out, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But in the middle of this I mean, very important conversation. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say it's because we, uh, we, our group of friends contain the people who Pierce captured and tortured the person who killed Pierce, and the person who helped cover it up, who's also the person in charge of the investigation. Like, it's just, what a tangled web we weave. (laughs) Max sees Liz. She's back, and she looks amazing. Her, you know, she's in a a nicer dress. You know, she's done up, and and they're talking, and, and, and he's like, it'll go back to the way it was. It'll go back to the way it was. It will go back to the way it was. And just trying to say... I don't have feelings for Tess. Tess understands this. Like, you just, you need to understand, Liz, that everything can go back to the way that it was. And it's revealed that she's actually out there on a job interview 
And this is where Megan guessed, but wasn't quite fast enough to get it out of her mouth. (laughs) That she is going to be an apprentice. Nope. She's going to be an intern. (laughs) The master and the apprentice. She's going to be a, I was going to say congressional aide, but it sounds like she's going to be an unpaid intern for a congresswoman. Who mentions later stuff about child labor laws, but I'm like, ugh, unpaid internship, bad. Yeah. But this is nice because now the people, the people, I mean, our group of friends, you know, the aliens and humans have an in to the congresswoman's office if they need it, which they end up do needing it. And we'll talk about that. But uh, Michael is called into the sheriff's office by Deputy Hansen, who is thrilled that, you know, they have a suspect. And the reason they've got this knife, Michael, is because you're going down. And so the sheriff comes in to chat with them. And he's like, oh, hey, Michael, remember that time I caught you out where we just recently found a body that I'm just hearing about now for the first time ever? Do you want to tell me what happened out there or should I remind you? And Michael's no fool. He's like, uh, maybe you should remind me. And the sheriff has made up this entire backstory to cover up. Oh, yeah. Remember, I found you and your buddies out there drinking and shooting and joyriding. Do you remember that? Because if you don't, here's a police report that I filled out just in case you forgot that's what happened. And the sheriff has really stepped it up and is really covering all of this up for Michael and for the kids he's a part of. And here's my question with the sheriff. If Kyle hadn't been shot and the aliens hadn't saved him. Do you think he would be so eager to protect these people? Because I feel like Michael is the one who saved the sheriff's life. So is this payback or is this, I'm really on your team and I would do this for any of you? I, I think at this point, like Kyle or not, I think the sheriff was on our team in the last episode, but Mm -hmm. the Kyle thing is like above and beyond. And so I think now... Because there's a, there's a great conversation with him and Michael in the jail later. And I'm like, well, good thing. Hey, I just realized and remembered. There's no Kyle in this episode. Emily, <laughs> he's in the title cards. He's in the title cards. Why isn't he in the show more? When will my son return from the war? Anyway, the sheriff's treating Michael like a son more than he does his own son. Wow. That's that's. I think that's what I had to say. So Isabel has gone out to find out more about this geologist, why he's out there. And he's talking about, I've got to make sure this place isn't polluted so that a major chemical company can come in and build a plant here. And she's like, isn't that just going to pollute everything anyway? And so they have kind of this little explanation of, I'm here for a purpose, I'm not just some random guy that randomly happened to find a body that's very important to you guys. Sorry, yes. I don't think we mentioned. Did we mention Michael's phone call to Nacedo? No, did I skip that? Yeah, it was just it was just a little at the tail end of the interrogation scene. But um, Michael calls Nacedo to be like, "Hey, it's an emergency, a code red," and Nacedo just says, "Don't call me without Max's permission." <laughs> Like, Nacido has leaned into this so hard. I mean, granted, he is there to protect the royal four. Yes, Megan, go. They actually say royal this season. Like, last last season, it was just like, you're a leader of our people. But this, they lean full in and they go full monarchy. And I'm like, oh, great. 
royalty. Mm-hmm. Royal alien human hybrids. Give him some more hyphens. Please. I was a teen royal alien human hybrid. <laughs> but the sheriff's troubles aren't over, even though he has explained, you know, explained away what's going on. Congresswoman comes in and plays the sheriff a tape that she has recorded of a conversation between herself and the real agent Pierce from right when he first came to Roswell. And in the tape, it talks about how the sheriff is the key to everything. And she's like, and that's the last I heard of him until he came back from Roswell and he's been lying this whole time. What do you say to that? Hey, we're going to talk a little bit about, listen, consent in sci-fi in body swap is a little is a little iffy because it is physically impossible to my knowledge to swap bodies with somebody but and um there's an episode of buffering the vampire slayer that talks about this really in depth during a faith buffy swap episode so i would direct you Mm -hmm. all to to that uh it is very skeevy to me of lying to someone like, it was already bad enough last episode when Nisato was pretending to be Max and kissing Liz. And now he's pretending to be Agent Pierce and sleeping with this congresswoman who she thinks it's her partner. She thinks it's someone she knows. And it's someone, like, finding a way to take advantage of her. And, mm-hmm. like, I know she's supposed to be the villain and stuff. But, listen, I'm glad Nisato's dead. Rip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, by the way, you guys, the Sato dies at the end of this episode. <laughs> Which is so funny because I was like, oh, no, a shapeshifter. I hope the main actor still has a job. And then when he turns into the normal Sato, I was like, oh, great, he still has a job. And then he dies at the end of the episode. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> they have a really interesting scene. Like, we don't get a whole lot of Sato in this episode. But the stuff that he's in, it's very important because he comes to the Crashdown Cafe as Agent Pierce, and a tourist recognizes him. And he, you know, the tourist is like, honey, here's the crazy FBI agent. Here, let's get a picture. And Nisato walks into the little bathroom that has one entrance, shapeshifts from Agent Pierce back to the Nisato actor character that, you know, we're familiar with, walks out right into the the tourist who's, who's waiting there with pen and paper. I don't know if he's asking for an autograph or whatnot. And the tourist, it's played for laughs, and the tourist is just like, what is happening here but i'm like nisato has been so careful about keeping his identity hidden and staying low to the ground and all of a sudden he's just out shape-shifting in the middle of nowhere just willy-nilly but i think it shows him and how he feels that he is so much superior to humans yeah because it's just a stupid one stupid person that Mm -hmm. he tricked Mm -hmm. and and is just like you know, humans are stupid. And we find this out because everything's kind of snowballing to the point that Michael has been arrested <laughs> in regards to this murder suspicious thing. Because this little deputy cannot stop talking in front of this congresswoman, even though the sheriff is trying to shut him down. Mm-hmm. Which I would think there'd be some sort of like confidentiality clause or something about like a murder victim because even though she's a congresswoman she doesn't have to my knowledge they don't have judicial jurisdiction yeah you know over 
a small town like Roswell. Like, it was different when the FBI came in, but a congressperson, this is completely out of their purview. Like, Mm -hmm. she could pull some strings at the Bureau, I'm sure, but she couldn't declare herself in charge of the investigation. I was thinking about that when they were marching into the particle physics lab. I'm like, why is she here? Like, doesn't Roswell, New Mexico have actual legislative issues you should be dealing with? (laughs) I wouldn't vote for her in the next election. (laughs) (laughs) But the word is getting out. More and more people are finding out about the cadmium x and the body and all of these things and pierce is just like give me a list of all the humans i'll just go kill them and alex is like present company excluded i hope and pierce is like "Eh." yeah (laughs) (laughs) but max kind of steps up and does something and this is a bold move for the first time you're going to exercise your power but he says no more killing that's an order and nesato's like okay like you're my king. I have to do what <laughs> a you pacifist. say. I'm pacifist for a king. <laughs> Emily, what was that? I'm going to ask you for a childhood memory. Okay, so we had these tapes of history that we would listen to in the car. And it was like a songified mm-hmm. version. Songified and sanitized version of the American Revolution. What was the song they it's sang about? We don't need a king. my friends. The Americans were Englishmen. But that was a bit of a trick. A trick. No, not that one. The song of like, we don't need a king. I don't remember. Or maybe it was like when they asked George George Washington to become king. George Washington was a very good man. A very good good man man, indeed. He could have been king, but he said, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, a a king's not not what we need. need. (laughs) (laughs) I'd forgotten that until this very moment. He wouldn't be something a royalty. Da, 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 da. He was a very wise, very oh, wise, very wise, wise, very wise, wise man, man indeed. indeed. Yeah, our uh, we grew up in a. You know, I would say our our community as we grew up like deified the founding fathers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was our a rude shock like that they swear on Hamilton. <laughs> Okay, no, our mom has said that Hamilton is an inappropriate show um, because it's undignified for the founding fathers to be rapping like this. <laughs> or, or just for the founding fathers to be treated the way they are story-wise. She later asked me how they could get away with lying about Hamilton having had an affair when it didn't really happen. <laughs> Mom, he wrote a 197-page book that he published about his affair. Mm -hmm. I told her that, and that kind of rocked her world a little bit. What does she know about George Washington's teeth? (laughs) I don't know. Okay. (sighs) Your face when that happened. I wish I had a screenshot of that. You guys, nobody in history was good. We could still learn things from them, but there are no heroes. There's only people. And 
Sorry, we're talking about this a lot in Our Flag Means Death because every episode I bring up some of the historical accuracies that the show's like, yeah, that's not part of our story. Forget about it. That, uh, yeah, Poe Buddy's nerfed. <laughs> and sometimes people are horrible. I'm like, we need to get better at talking about stuff like that yeah. instead of just saying, oh, we don't talk about those things. <laughs> oh, mom and dad have agreed to watch Encanto when they come home for Sarah's birthday. And I'm like, you better Encanto. not watch it until we are all there so we can talk about it as a family. <laughs> Encanto. Which sister in Encanto are you? <laughs> I think I'm Louisa. That that would be, yeah. yeah I yeah. cried during surface pressure sitting here on this couch <laughs> with all the nieces here just bawling. Yeah. And I, I just choked up. I choked up during surface pressure too. Not because I felt that way in my life. Not the way that you probably have, but just from the emotion in that song and the bit at the end when the lights go red and she's like struggling to hold everything up. Yes. I'm like... Uh, I think if I was a character in Encanto, I would actually be, uh, the aunt. Peppa? Peppa. Yeah. Her mood affects the weather. (laughs) There was this- No, wait, I'm Bruno. I'm Bruno. I take it back. You can be whoever you want to be, but yeah, I feel like you fit Bruno much better. (laughs) Because I can always predict what happens next in the movie. why we kicked you out we don't want to know <laughs> really you quick, I, me out i left that's true um there was a, a a instagram reeler and she was talking about uh talking about how each character was like peppa was like you always need like this is this is like a okay i'll explain it so peppa it was like always be happy never let anyone see you're sad because you'll affect everyone else uh julieta is like always make everyone around you feel good uh camila mm-hmm. was become whoever we need you to become you know dolores was you hear all the family secrets yeah. but you can't tell anybody like she just went through everything and i'm sitting there going, oh my because the the real issue of the family is the way that the gifts are viewed um because abuela is like we can only use them to protect and to serve and that's it and they can't be used for, like they're not here for you to have fun so like it's the day after antonio gets his gift which is amazing and so cool and so many kids would love to have that power and the first thing abuela says is we have to figure out how we can use this to help people mm-hmm. and like i know it's a stretch to figure out how does shape-shifting help other people and how does being able to hear everything how does that help other people and That's why I don't actually mind that everybody gets their powers back at the end of Encanto because um, that's that's one of the complaints I see from a lot of people like, oh, they didn't learn anything. They just go get their powers back and it's like nothing happened. And it's like, no, but now they get to use their powers like they get to have more agency and exploration of what you know, what does this mean for me to use it for just myself and not to constantly think about other people? Like, I think it it would be tragic if Isabella, who just discovered a new range of skills and abilities, for her to lose that forever. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I think, that's why I really like the ending to Encanto. So um, I think we should leave this in. 
uh, because I would like to say this as a counterpoint to what Dan Wells and Brandon Sanderson talked about on their podcast, Intentionally Blank. So, shots fired! Just kidding, they don't listen to us. <laughs> well, you you guest starred on Writing Excuses. Maybe we can get them to guest star on my sister. I'm a... <laughs> Yes, their sister in the Lord made them view this. Um, I am going on the Writing Excuses cruise this summer. I'm so excited Fall. for you. Yep. Although I haven't bought my ticket yet, but I, I am going. I'm going to be a, a guest lecturer. Or... So, yeah. Hey, everyone. Uh, if you're interested in having a week on a boat in the Caribbean, uh, talking with really cool authors and other industry creatives about writing and publishing and getting your work out there and skills and stuff, check out the Writing Excuses Cruise. Um, there is a scholarship fund for several, uh, for like several people to attend. So you can enter for a scholarship to get a ticket funded. And those, that information is on writingexcuses.com. Be there. And be you guys there. should know that several, like four years ago, I applied for the scholarship and didn't get it. But now I'm going as a guest, so believe in your dreams. <laughs> I believe in you. Oh, believe in your guess dreams. who believes in Michael? The sheriff. Mm-hmm. Not Max, it's the sheriff. He comes in and sits down and talks to Michael and is, is giving him very fatherly advice. Like, listen, I know it's hard for you to be in here. You know, he comes to comfort Michael about, like, listen, you acted in self-defense you were protecting me and michael opens up finally about listen i think this is just the tip of the iceberg i'm trying to prepare myself for whatever's about to go down but i have no idea what to expect he's like i'm cracking rocks like how's that gonna help anybody he just he's trying to prepare for the unknown and he then explains i've been so mad at max we're not leading but he doesn't know like michael has this very great moment where he says max doesn't know any better than the rest of us what's going to happen and i think that's what kind of scares michael that they're all in the dark waiting to be attacked and this has got to be so tiring for him because i feel like that's how michael must have been living most of his life in uncertainty in you know in this terrible foster situation that he was in and, and the idea that they finally got these answers, but it didn't fix anything has got to be really disappointing mm-hmm. to him that life isn't great and amazing. It's more dangerous. La vida es dolor. And not only that, but back in season one, Michael was always like, okay, Max, let's figure this out. Let's do more investigations. Let's find things out. And Max is content in his life to just sort of, skate along and i i really think this is sowing the seeds for a much bigger confrontation between max and michael throughout the season mm-hmm. and i'm pretty sad but you love betrayal you tell me this all the time in mm-hmm. fiction in stories <laughs> so i'm excited to live this betrayal story with you yep. betray you <laughs> <laughs> falcor betray you <laughs> We, I think we talked about this a little bit before, but they do ask Liz to use kind of her newfound connections so that she can get people into the congresswoman's office so that they can find out more about what's going on. 
And Liz again shows how cool she is that she's super smart and super capable because she explains, oh, if they're wanting to figure out if it has a specific element in these bones, the closest particle accelerator is at La Cruz's university. And that's where they would be. And they find out that's where these bones are being taken. And she goes off on this, not even a tangent, but she just talks about science. And again, we're reminded, I think this is a great way to reinforce her character because she kind Mm -hmm. of, she was really, really strong at being scientific at the beginning of season one. And then uh, I feel like a lot of it was just focused on her being Max's romantic partner. And now we're back up to smart Liz, who is preparing for her future by being an intern for a congresswoman who knows all of these things. And she goes, I'm not a dork. I just like science. I'm like, oh, I could see why you think you're a dork. But like liking science is very cool. <laughs> yeah, because so, she she abandoned it for a while mm-hmm. in favor of max and so i like the the character swap that we've gotten on this because season one max broke up with liz several times to be like we can't be together it's too dangerous and liz was the pining one and you know what i i was really mad when they broke up last episode but i thought the actor for max played the pining very well in this one and i'm like okay you you got me you got me i'm back on for the ride yeah he is so desperate for things to go back to the way they were that he does something very very dangerous and he jumps inside the particle accelerator <laughs> while it's about to okay. be turned on. <laughs> this was dumb. Um, but the best part is when I said, oh, man, he's going to get shot by. And then the beam just smacked into him. And I was like, yes. So, Emily, what do you know about a particle accelerator? Okay, listen. I did not take any AP science classes or AP physics. I thought a particle accelerator was a fake made-up Star Trek thing. (laughs) I didn't know it was a real thing. No, but (laughs) I will admit a lot of what I know of what a particle accelerator does does come from the Da Vinci Code books. Okay. Um, Because I can't remember which book, but um, scientists are trying to recreate a miniature Big Bang to see if they can create elements out of nothing. And how they do that is they take a particular particle and they launch it through an accelerator... So this is this is part of a different system called the Large Hadron Collider, which is a particle accelerator that has, I guess, a two-way street on it. But the idea is to uh, shoot a particular particle and get it going through the ring of this, you know, huge underground tube fast enough that it's when it's introduced to a, another particle going in an opposing direction that they two collide and they create a small explosion. It creates a miniature Big Bang. Um, there are people who are against this in real life because... We have no, like, idea of knowing how big the resulting explosion could be. And, like, if they are successful, maybe it could destroy half the Earth. But anyway, so quick basics of how a particle accelerator works. It is uh, an electromagnetic. It uses electromag, like a, like a train, you know, that runs on a magnet. So picture this. It's, it's a huge ring. And there's sections within the ring, and the scientists can determine if these sections, these slices of the ring, can be charged so they're positive or they are negative. Because negative and positive particles attract each other. That's how magnets actually work, is the negative charge and the positive charge slurp onto each other. Hey, 
actual scientists, I would like to pre-apologize if I get any of this uh, incorrect, (laughs) but I'm going to do my best. So what they do is imagine, if you will, Emily, four segments in a row, and each one is a little bit longer. So imagine a toilet paper tube, Mm -hmm. then imagine a paper towel tube, then imagine a wrapping paper tube, and then imagine a tube that's twice as long as that. Okay. And right now they're charged positive, negative, positive, negative. And as the particle starts passing through the toilet paper tube, which is charged positively, therefore giving the particle itself a positive charge, and it's being drawn towards the next longest tube, which is negative, so it's being drawn towards that while it's being charged, Mm -hmm. that's giving it some momentum. And then as it passes into the next tube, they swap the charges on all of it. So now it's already traveling through this slightly longer tube and it has changed the charge on it. So it's come from an it's come from a positive tube into a negative tube and then they charge it positive again and it's being drawn towards the next negative tube and since each successive slice of the tube is longer and longer and longer gives this gives the particle the chance to accelerate more and more as it's eventually passed around the ring and they repeat this linear acceleration until the particle is going at like a super duper speed and it's like going fast enough that you know particles are very tiny Mm -hmm. but they can read and capture the particles and like understand the changes that have gone with them and like and if they change so how on earth does this tell you if there is cadmium in a skeleton? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> My guess would be is that the charged particles would uh, be interacting with the charge of the skeleton and it would give off a specific type of reading that will let them determine if it was this pre-discovered element or not. So Mm -hmm. real scientists, I hope I did a good job talking about how the particle accelerates. If you could explain to us how the particle detects things, that would be great. However, I knew that if Max was standing in the middle of the beam that he would get hit by a bunch of these highly accelerated particles and wouldn't you know it i love the way that the show portrayed them i don't think they'd be visible to the naked eye like this (laughs) but i love that there was just this beam of purple power that suddenly knocked max to the ground because they did build like a tubular hallway for him to do this in. (laughs) so tess is using her new power well no her her old power of being able to hypnotize people but they called it They've named it now, and it's called the Mind Warp, which made me start singing, let's do the Mind Warp again. And so she's just literally erasing. It's like she's um, putting looped footage into a security camera. She's Mm -hmm. literally erasing Max from view as he climbs in. And we didn't know what the plan was going into this. Mm -hmm. So there's a moment where Max jumps up on top of the particle accelerator, and I'm like, what is he going to do? And he opens a hatch. And I just yelled, why is he climbing into scientific equipment? (laughs) But he braves, he braves the oncoming rush of particles and uses his molecular manipulation magic in order to change both the chemical makeup and age of the skeleton, which Mm -hmm. is some pretty delicate molecular workings. But why doesn't that leave cadmium behind? 
I think okay, this is my this is my theory about it. When when Michael shot out the powers, mm-hmm. I want to say it was a different a different type of power. Like I wonder if Niseido and Michael have similar powers, but Max might have a different kind that leaves behind different traces or something. What if it's life and death power? It's like a what? Life and death power. So like when you're killing someone or raising someone from the dead, it's the silver handprint. The silver handprint is made of cadmium X. Okay. And so not all their powers leave a silver handprint behind, but whatever he did to Liz, you guys, Liz is so infected with cadmium. She saw a flash of the future when she kissed Max. That girl has some science fiction nonsense coming her way. (laughs) Okay. So when they use their powers to either kill or to resurrect, it takes such a huge amount of energy that that, of course, would create the left-behind residue of Cadmium X. Okay, problem solved. I figured it out, <laughs> sci-fi writers. <laughs> so they are saved because... They are saved. When the, when the scientists get the results, they realize, oh, hey, this skeleton is exactly 42 years old or whatever. And they're able to, because the the congresswoman is there being like, how is this Mm -hmm. possible? Why is there no cadmium X or whatever? Um, You're, you must, these tests must be flawed. And they explain if the skeleton has been out there that long, it's entirely possible that it was there when Roswell was having nuclear tests done 42 years ago, which would explain why the bones had fused. It was a radiation Mm -hmm. thing. And so they think that they are safe. Megan. What scientific process did they use to determine the age of the bones? Carbon dating. Hey, Emily, how does carbon dating work? It tells you how old things are. Okay. It counts radioisotopes. Okay, good. Good. So, uh, radiocarbon dating has been around for a while. It was discovered in, like, the 1940s. And it uses the products of radiocarbon, which is a radioactive isotope that's part of carbon. And what it does, because this um, this particular isotope has a very specific half-life. And what that means is there's a certain amount of time before it starts to decay. And so by counting the proportion of it or the state of decay it's in, listen, I don't know this much specific, but by uh, determining the proportion of radioactive decay it's undergone, you can determine how old something is. And this is specific to decades, to centuries, and we're even able to use carbon dating um, to determine the millions of years old something is because uh, radiocarbon has such a long lasting uh, after effect. Mm-hmm. There you go. Science! (laughs) Also, bones don't melt, um, except for a very special episode of Bones where they were in a truck that was full of, not aluminum shavings, but but some sort of metal shaving that has an exceptionally high burning point. Mm -hmm. And though the bones didn't technically melt, the fire was hot enough to warp them against the dashboard of the car. But it it was very fun because that whole episode, the main character, Bones, is going, Bones don't melt! (laughs) (laughs) 
Anyway, so they tell the congresswoman all of the science has proven you incorrect. And she's like, you haven't heard the last of me. (laughs) But so she's mad. But everyone's kind of celebrating in the Crashdown Cafe. Cameron's there. Carmen's there. What's her name? Courtney. Courtney is there. She's definitely the evil skin thing. Like, no question. But uh, did you catch who she said goodbye to? Michael, she's uh-huh. flirting with him because she wants to eat his brains. <laughs> and Michael's all in a huffy because there was a witness here and we need to be more careful. There's a war coming. And like nobody listens to Michael, apparently another holdover from season one. But Maria tries to talk to him. And she, listen, again, Maria, the most emotionally intelligent character on the show, is is up front. And she says, you know, after their little back and forth conversation, she says, I miss you, Michael. And then he replies with, I know, but don't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's it's just sad because Michael's kind of getting what he wants, but it's not as exciting as he thought it was going to be. It's not everything that he kind of hoped and wished for. And um, I do feel bad for him about that about that but things are about to get even worse because max, max and, and liz still break up some more well they weren't ever back back together you know i know but they break up more you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's more <laughs> official further apart yes <laughs> but things get worse because max is just in his room minding his own business and there's a tap at the window megan who is it it's Nisato, and he's real beaten up by something. We'd seen a, a scene slightly earlier where Nisato was mysteriously in an alley, and a warped camera frame was looking at him. So, like, clearly some sort of creature was looking at him. And so he climbs in, bleeding from the nose, a burn mark like a star on his chest, and he just tells Max, like, they're already among you. And I'm like, it's Courtney! Courtney killed Nisato! <laughs> Thanks, Courtney, actually, though, because (laughs) he was just not helping out the team dynamic. And bam, Nisato is dead. Yeah, Max tries to bring him back and nothing happens. And like Nisato's not just like, not just like a little nose, but he's bruised and bloodied. Like he has been in a fight for his life. And I would think the last thing you'd want to do is lead whoever fought you to the house of whoever you're supposed to be protecting. But he did anyway, so... But yeah, that's the mm-hmm. that's the end of season two, episode one, Skin and Bones. Yeah. Uh, I want to real fast jump back to the Liz and Max stuff. Okay. We I mentioned I mentioned this a little earlier in the episode, but um, when she kisses him, she sees a flash of something that hasn't happened in the show yet. And so again, Cadmium X, it's changing Liz as a person because so far everyone that we know in the show that's been cadmium x infected has died so we don't know what the long-lasting effects are on a person (laughs) who does know emily does because she's actually watched this season before (laughs) we're getting into the good stuff all right so that was a great episode we are going to next obviously watch episode two so this will be season two episode two ask not megan do you have any predictions oh my gosh yeah so that is part of a phrase that is ask not what your country can do for you but rather what you can do for your country i know that's a big american history phrase but i don't know who said it emily do you know who said it kennedy which one 
JF. Okay. Uh, and so I'm going to think this is going to be more about alien heritage stuff or no. Okay. Listen, I feel like this title is going to have a double meaning. And for our main characters, it's going to be about, well, are we going to get any help from home? Are they going to send us any more support now that Nisado's gone? Um, Do you think they're going to try? I think they're going to try and use the magic rocks to resurrect Nisado again. It may or may not work. I don't know how long those suckers need to recharge, but it seems like Nisado might be gone, gone, especially if he was killed magically. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see if the magic healing rocks can bring Nisado back. Um, and then I think that immediately next, this congresswoman is going to start going, uh, digging further into Roswell, what's happening. Uh, wouldn't it be great if the tourists from season one showed back up? But, uh, yeah, so my immediate next guess is dealing with the aftermath of Nisado and the, the congresswoman shenanigans increase. Awesome. Those are very good guesses. I'm excited to see. Thank you. What happens? Well, I know what happens, but I'm excited for you to see what happens. You know. You actually know what happens. <laughs> know. Isn't that a nice feeling? It is a great feeling. I'm so excited. I just got like this warm little like nostalgia fuzzy as we watched this and like people would come on screen. I'm like, oh, I remember you. I'd forgotten you, but now I remember you. So, yay. So thank you everyone for coming along on this journey with us. We're just so excited to come into season two and can't wait to see you guys next week. But in the meantime, I got to go write my book. I got to go stir my sauce so it doesn't burn. Okay. I believe in you. I believe in you too. Ready, break. Thank you so much to everyone who has come and listened. Hopefully you had a good laugh. You've had a good time. Uh, We just want to say thank you again to everyone who listens, to everyone who has rated us, everyone who's reviewed us. All of you listeners help us so much. And Megan and I super, super appreciate you. Uh, We also appreciate Michael Biancardi. Thank you so much for the use of your song, A Passing Storm, because it's perfect for this podcast and it's perfect for our Way of Kings podcast and it's super perfect for Our Flag Means Death podcast. Ah, I'm so excited. Okay, fortuitous. Guess what? Today, well, I'm getting ready to post this. Today is June 1st, but you're going to hear this on June 2nd. HBO Max freaking finally renewed Our Flag Means Death for season two. Two, baby. So we're very excited about that. And we are going to start posting our very first Our Flag Means Death episode next week, Tuesday, June 7th. So you can find us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, wherever you find your podcast. That's where it will be. Please come join us. Um, Megan is the one who is super obsessed with Our Flag Means Death. I had never seen any of it. We've already recorded all of it and finished it because we were so worried about spoilers. We did not want me to be spoiled for anything. So come join us on June 7th where we'll post our very first episode. Uh, And then if you come back on Thursday, June 9th, that is when we are going to post our next Way of Kings episode. Only I guess I can't call it Way of Kings anymore because... We finished that book, but we are doing a special intro, interlude episode, I guess. Uh, Megan had me read Warbreaker, which is a standalone book. 
and Megan I and friend of the pod Ted uh we talk about it and we are gonna put that super special episode up and then uh that's what you're gonna hear we would love to see you around any of our social media handles sis made me view it you can find us on twitter tumblr and instagram where we say this every week but we're gonna try and be better about posting social media but uh you can see cute pictures of our pets ren fair outfits megan has put together uh just funny behind the scenes stuff we would love to hear from you and that's it for this week i hope everything's going well you guys deserve that you deserve nice things in your life and i want you to have them so go forth do the things you love and remember we believe in you